we'll get started. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word today, and we thank you, Lord, for faith and confidence in your word, not in the fear that is sweeping the earth at this time, not in the uh, lack that's sweeping the earth, not in the uh, limitations of humanity, but we have confidence in you. And we thank you, Lord, that that confidence is there all the time for us who believe. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen. So we're going to talk about the fact that the healer lives in you. Amen. The healer lives in you. Amen. It's a good thing to know uh, that Jesus, the healer, dwells in the hearts of those who believe in him, who give their trust to him, who give their lives to him. And we have healing available to us at all times, not just for us personally, but we have an overflow. Because we serve a God of abundance now. He didn't just give you enough for little old you. Amen. Don't be stingy. And he's given it to us through our words. Which means you really don't have to go nowhere to do nothing for nobody. You can send the word and they will be healed. Amen. Jesus did that many times. He also commanded us to lay hands on the sick and they will recover. But I believe this is a a great time for intercession toward God for all things. Amen. And not just begging and asking. But also, this is a time to sanctify yourselves before God, a time to consecrate yourselves to God. So um, I'm going to just spend a little bit of time talking about those things, because as children of God, we're so accustomed to looking at God as a father and as a supplier, but we also have to look at him as a holy God who has requirements in certain areas for us so that we don't just go rushing off in his face expecting everything with no obedience on our part. Many times in the Bible, you would see in the Old Testament that God would tell Moses, tell them, tell them people down there to sanctify themselves and he'd give them a day's warning because tomorrow I'm going to show up. And so I believe it's good practice to sanctify yourselves whenever you go before God. Don't go just rushing up there and assuming you got stuff coming. You know what I'm saying? It's a thing about honoring God. Got me? Uh, So many people like to cut corners with so many things. And, And my thought is, he's a holy God. How would you know what corners to cut anyway? You understand what I'm saying? You don't know these things. I think it's a good thing also. You know, sometimes people get in the habit of just showing up in church, any old kind of mentality, any old kind of, why don't you just stop a little bit outside the door and plead the blood? And Father, I forgive anybody I have anything against. I'm going to take on your spirit of thanksgiving and joy before I enter your house. Amen. Many times we come in the house of the Lord looking for people to, to give us a bunch of attention. We need to come in humble before him and sanctify ourselves. If you go in humble and you go in repentant, you could be so filled up with the things of God before you leave. But instead of dragging all your baggage in and people got to look at you and you sit there with a sitting on your hands so you don't lift them up and, you know, acting all crazy. We kind of got to mature, folks. 
and say, God, I present myself as a living sacrifice in your presence, holy and acceptable to you. Forgive me for having a bad attitude. Forgive me for holding on to to uh, uh, selfishness and thinking about myself all the time, being mad at the world because I don't have this and I don't have that. You got me? You know, the, the truth of the matter is what you have is what you believe for. You created your environment through your faith. But we ain't going to hold that against you because we all do. But if you want a better environment, you got to do better with your faith, folks. And it begins with acknowledging who God is, acknowledging his holiness. The reason God commands that we obey him and leave a, live a repentant, holy life is because he lives in us. So we have to keep our temple. You know, people tell me, well, my body is a temple. No, it's not. You begin to worship your body. And we got enough people out there like that. You got people spend half their paycheck on personal trainers, the right kind of food, the right kind of anything, and they're on their way to hell. But your body's a temple of the Holy Ghost, so you obey what he tells you to do to keep your temple sanctified. Amen. Keep it conducive to him living there, feeling comfortable there, and doing what he needs to do to keep you saved. Amen. That's all it's about is keeping us saved. And so when we sanctify ourselves before the Lord, then we can expect all good things. Once you repent, it's so easy to obey him. It really is. You feel like you're free. I can go do what God tells me to do. I don't have to worry about suppose somebody don't want me to pray for him. Suppose this is what once you sanctify yourself, it's a done deal. It's like gravy. You understand what I'm saying? It's like butter. You That that thought might come to you here and there. It, it, they won't receive it or this ain't right or that's not right. But go before the Lord and say, Father, if there's anything in me hindering my faith, hindering me believing that you sent me to do this, Father, I just repent of it. Please forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Let me go free from this burden. So that I can freely obey you. Amen. And that's how you live as a Christian. Yeah, we ain't talking about, well, I don't do this and I don't do that. If you don't do it, it's because God's helping you not to do it. So you can't brag on that, which you don't do. Cause the minute the devil gets a real good chance to tempt you, you be doing it. Oh, Pastor Bobby, we're on, we're social distancing. Don't come so close with that word. Don't hurt me like that. Well, it's the truth anyway. Amen. It hurts me too sometimes. I got used to it though. Amen. I love when God spanks me when a righteous smite you is a blessing. I said, God, anything you can spare me from, please do. Amen. Warn me, hit me, lock the door, whatever you need to do, but keep me from the evil one. Amen. I lived for him long enough. I had enough of his nonsense. Amen. So, so, you know, the other thing I was going to tell you too is that, uh, always look to the hills. That's, that's what the Bible, you know, always look to God for your direction. Look up and begin to acknowledge him. When you're perplexed, look up. Well, you, you know, when that scripture, I believe that scripture spoke about, uh, the two mountains in Israel. They were, when he says, I will look unto the hills from which cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Now, in Israel, 
they would have a mountain of cursing and a mountain of blessing. And you could only be blessed from the mountain of blessing. You could only be cursed from the mountain. Of, so guess where they were looking to? They were looking to the mountain of blessing when they were looking up to the hills from which cometh their help. They knew that they had spoken blessings in that particular place. When they looked there, their faith was ignited for God to bless them. Amen. When they looked at the, the mount of uh, cursing, they repented and turned and looked to the mountain of blessing right away. Amen. And so whenever you feel like something's wrong or it's not going to work for you or I messed up and all that, you, you go and repent and then you look to the hills, to the mountain of blessing from which cometh your help. And that's where our help is going to come from at all times. But especially during this time, we're all being tested. When I was, uh, when God showed me that this year would be the year of the double test, I wasn't thinking uh, any kind of outbreak of disease. In fact, I wasn't even thinking, you know, <laughs> it's like, let, let me know when it's my turn and let me know when it's over. You know, wake me up when it's over kind of thing. But you know what I'm saying? You just don't think what that could mean. Well, at least I don't, you know, I'm not, cause I'm not scared of God. He told us we would pass every test, didn't he? So nobody in here is getting sick. Amen. We're not coming down with Corona, his brother, his mother, his cousin, any of his kinfolk. Amen. We're not coming down. We don't receive it. So if you don't take it, you don't get it. Amen. Amen. You know, the devil is funny. He'll change your language. You know, people say, well, I'm coming down with. You got me? Or I'm taking this or I'm taking, he makes you take illness. Where a lot of times if you didn't agree with it, you wouldn't get it at all if you didn't put your confidence in it. And then some people fear things so much, they wind up letting fear back them into a corner where they can't see God. Huh? Fear back you up and then he makes you take it because you're so scared of it. So you got to live fearless before God. You got to trust him. We're not foolish. We're fearless. Amen. There's a big difference. There's a big difference. So Jesus, the healer is available to you at all times. John chapter 14, if you'll turn there. In verse 20, it says that that day talking about now, you shall know that I am in my father and you are in me. And I am in you. He that keeps my commandments, that has my commandments, okay, that understands the word or has heard the word and keeps them, he's the one who loves me. And he that loves me shall be loved of my father and I will love him and will manifest, make myself known, show up and help that person. Amen. In other words, Jesus has said, if, if you obey me and you love me, the Father gives me permission to love you back and to come and help you in your time. Anything that you need, I'll do it for you is what that implies. And so when, when Christ lives in us, when I say live, I don't mean you push him in a corner and go off and do your thing. When he lives in you, he takes over. He's not just like, for instance, uh, um, you know, you can say this fly lives in my house because he's there all the time. Well, he don't run nothing. You can get your can of spray and kill him anytime you want to. 
But when the king lives in your house, huh? I'm not talking about Elvis. Uh, you know, people funny. You know, this. Thank you very much. Huh? Even Elvis would have a break in his show. Do you know every every concert he gave, he had a break in there. He was bring gospel, sing gospel songs when they would rehearse. I'm serious. Then one of the reasons he did it is because in his rehearsals, if he got new people in there to rehearse with him, that's the only song everybody knew was different church church songs. All them backslidden church people. Huh? And they would get together and rehearse and they would say, well, let's do one. Do you know this? Do you know all the pop songs? They didn't know all the words, but you get a gospel. Everybody knew the words to it. Everybody knew some melody, some harmony, put in their two cents. Amen. So he just kept them in his program. Would make people stop and bow their heads and tell them, you know, amen. And so I don't know why I went there, but anyway, you need to know that there's there's a reason for all things. But uh, God says that he dwells in us. That means he takes over. He wants to live. He wants to permeate your being with divine life. You don't want him to sit in a corner in your heart. You don't want him uh, to just just take him out when you need something. You want him to live in you every day. You want him to have the freedom to run your life, direct your life. How would we know what to do, what to say, and how to say it? We only know it through God. And so when we understand what God expects of us and we live accordingly, then we can have this harmony with him that we need. And I believe we're healed continually. Like continually as you meditate on the word, divine life begins to surge through every cell in your body. And it takes out disease. It takes out weakness. It takes out sickness. It takes out all things that are not conducive to to the will of God, which is health and wholeness for you. Amen. Psalm 107.20 says he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Anytime, anything that's trying to destroy you, you're delivered from by his word. Amen. Grab your scripture, begin to meditate because it will not happen without God's word. Proverbs 4, 20 to 22, that says, my son, attend to my word. In other words, you got bad news, you got an evil report, you got all kinds of things uh, from the natural realm. He says, but don't pay no attention to that. Pay attention to my word. Now, people say things like, well, um, um, now, wait a minute, you can't live in denial. Well, I don't know what you mean by denial. If you mean by denial, you mean I have to accept that. No, I'm not. And then... Shoot, take me out and shoot me. I'm in denial, okay? What else are you going to do to me? But quit lying to me. Amen? So those kind of arguments, I've learned from experience, don't even entertain them. Just let that go in one ear and out the other. Because those are questions that come from hell. So that you can question whether God says that you can resist illness, that you have immunity to disease, that the blood of Jesus that has bought you, paid for you, and dwells in you, the resurrected blood of Jesus Christ now lives inside of you by the Holy Spirit. Amen. That blood. Amen. That is the blood 
that courses through your heart and through your body and through your, your being. So that blood cleanses you from all sin, cleanses you from unrighteousness, cleanses you from disease, cleanses you from the effects of unrighteousness, which is disease and death. And so when we have that blood as our defense, then we go through life without illness. Now, people say things like, well, illness will come to you, but, but, but you can get healed. Why should I talk? Why should I stop at that? De- why should I take that detour? Why should you take a detour and allow sickness to hit you and then you got to fight it off and get healed? That's like saying, well, you know, now you can keep that, that suit nice and clean, but you're going to get dirty anyway. You know that, don't you? Don't have to. How come you can't keep your clothes clean without them getting dirty like everybody else? I'm serious. You don't have to receive sickness. You don't have to receive death. You don't have to receive weakness or limitations. You don't have to. You can resist it. I remember ministering that truth. God would give me things real early in my walk with him. And I remember ministering that to somebody. I think this person had been diagnosed with MS. And I told her, I said, you know what? The Bible says if you obey God, his commandments, you don't have to have disease. You, you, the devil can't put disease on you. And that girl walked around healed for many years, just Amen. believing that. Amen. Now, eventually her faith got weak and the devil took her on out of here. She wasn't a part of this ministry, but she was just somebody that I had ministered the word to many, many years ago. And many people been like that, started to get healed. And then they, their minds start to get weak. They start to drift back into their old way of thinking. Amen. Some people, you know, sometimes you need to, can I say this? You need to run away from home. Yes, that's right. Your kinfolk will kill you. Huh? I'm serious. Where they unbelief and, you know, they start finding out you're doing poly. And then all of a sudden, you know, all them birthdays that you never got a card, you never got money, you never got a gift. All of a sudden they buying plane tickets to come up and see you. Now that you're doing poly. And none of them's bringing a word of healing from God. They just sitting there looking at you. You know, eyeballs can kill you. Can I say that? Here lies the so-and-so killed by eyeballs. Look. And you start looking at them. You wonder what they looking at. Why am I looking bad? I don't know. Nobody bringing you a word. Nobody praying for you to be healed. All them if be thy will people start showing up. And some of them even packed a black suit that they ain't took out since the last funeral. We got to let him live in us, folks. We have to let him live in us. And we have to let him live through us. If you can let God live through you, pay your bills, you can let him live through you to heal your body. It's the same covenant. It's the same work of atonement. 
people think they can pick and choose how they let Jesus live in them. I've had people tell me they'll come up looking obvious. It's obvious to me they need to be prayed for for healing. And they'll start talking to me about their finances. Hmm? I've had people tell me, oh, you can pray for my finances, but the healing, well, we'll wait on that. Wait for what? The Grim Reaper? Because <laughs> he's the next on your visitor's list. You know what I'm saying? I've had people, you know, we send them tapes to listen to. Well, I was going to listen to him, but I had company. See, if you see God's word to a, on a lower level and friends, well-wishers coming to give you a little attention before you ship on out of here. Yeah, I said it. Because they have no more faith that you will get up out of that bed than they have that that carpet will live. You got me? And so you have to be careful who you allow around you. When you really need God, you really need something. Shut it down. Huh? Cancel the whole program. Just mm-mm. nope. Because your faith passes judgment on other people's unbelief. And nobody is going to come around you to feel condemned. They're going to come around you armed and ready for you. You know what I mean? It's like this. Okay. Oh, here comes Alicia. Now she going to start that God stuff and she going to start that church stuff. She going to start that faith stuff. So they already build up a resistance against you because every time you speak the word, they feel like dirt. Just put it to you bluntly. And they don't want you around making them feel like dirt. So they already get armed with some stuff to combat what you're going to bring in there before you even show up. Uh Huh? The devil's got them up all night long overtime trying to figure out how to talk back to you to make you shut up. That's why we can't really win certain groups of people. The way we should, because the devil speaks, just as an example, the homosexual community, that most of them now have have some kind of political clout where they can levy it against the Christian. See, they want us dead because as long as we're alive and we can speak the word or we can come over around them in faith, then our faith begins to pass judgment on their unbelief that they can be saved and they don't have to live like they're living. It does that with everybody. Everybody who's not saved begins to feel condemned when the Christian comes around. Why? Because they are. Until they come to repentance, they are condemned. So you're not doing anything to them. You're just showing up trying to love on people. See, it's up to the Holy Spirit to put on them what he needs to put on them to get them saved. You're not going to come to salvation without repenting. Now, you might go to church, and they might give you a membership. 
They might make you a deacon or a, a whatever they want to make you. But until you repent of your sins and turn your back on that whole life, you don't have God's life in you. The Holy Spirit will not dwell in an unrepentant temple. You got me? And so once you repent, though, and come to a knowledge of the truth, then the whole the whole uh, heaven opens up to you. And you begin to understand what these crazy Christians have been talking about all this time. The people you used to condemn now are your friends. Huh? I've been there. How about you? Remember when you wasn't saved and you couldn't stand for so-and-so to come around you and all that kind of stuff? It's the same thing. That whole thing gets repeated over and over and over again. And it's no different from the homosexual than it is for the heterosexual sinner or any other, the drug addict, the whoever it is. Uh, the person is cheating on their taxes. The same conviction will come on them when a believer is around. Why? Because the Holy Spirit wants them saved. Now, they're, you can't do anything about how they feel except try to compromise so you can be their friend. Which you better not do it. (laughs) I tell people, no, you ain't taking me to hell with you. I'm just real sorry. I ain't going. My ticket has been canceled permanently. And I ain't buying another one. Huh? We just have to part. Part friends, part enemies, whatever. But, you know, if we can't ride this ride together, that's, that's all right. No harm done. You know, we I just keep praying for you, you know. That's all you need to do. Seriously. You know, it's people who are so steeped in evil and steeped in, in witchcraft and things of that nature. But we are the light of the world. Jesus said, he says, men like darkness more than light because their deeds are dark. We, they don't like you because the Holy Ghost lived in you because their deeds are dark. They'd rather stay in the shade huh, than to come out into the light because they're doing wrong. And they don't want it to be uncovered. But it's true. Just like we used to avoid them church people when we were, you know, smoking and drinking and cussing and everything. And, uh, there was a, a friend of mine. She was one of the first Bible teachers I had. She said that she had moved uh, to Texas and was involved in a church, really large spirit filled church. And she said that that uh, they came, they went in, find, uh, filled out the visitors card, and some people from the church called them and asked if they could come by and visit with them. You know how you follow up on new uh, one time visitors. Amen. We used to do it faithfully, and so uh, we 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 and we really need to continue to follow up on people because the devil. You know, try so hard to lie to people. Oh, them people don't love you. You know, look, you remember how they looked at you and this and, you know, he does that to everybody. But she said that she said, um, she said, my husband and I hid from him for a long time because we would be smoking cigarettes and everything in the house and we didn't want him to know it. She said, and then one time she said, but they kept coming back. 
So their cigarette smoking didn't deter them from coming to visit. Amen. So it's good to understand how God moves. And she eventually got saved. She kept coming back to the church. She said, they seem to be so accepting of us and so loving. She said, we just continue to go back and visit. And eventually we both got saved, you know, and, and all of that kind of stuff. And so it's just good to understand that, that there will be these situations where it will be adversarial for you because of where your walk is with God. And see, once God points you out as a witness for him, you can't go back on your witness. You can't slack off in your what you do, you know. Uh, you can't tone things down to accommodate people or, you know, whatever, whatever. Sometimes you'll just have to be the bad guy in the Western. Amen. You might have to be the black hat for a season, but God will show them that he is using you and and uh you know he he wants to he wants to make an impact on people he really does so uh we need to touch the healer inside of us how do you touch jesus you touch him with your with his word you begin to speak his word in your meditations with him father i thank you that i am healed by your stripe i thank you your word says that And I want to be healed. I want to walk in divine health. I want all these symptoms to leave me. And I thank you, Lord, you made provision for me. I thank you, Lord, that these symptoms will all leave me at some point in Jesus' name. Amen. And just expect them to leave. Now, sometimes people have symptoms and it don't bother them. You ever had that? The consider not bliss of living for God. You got me? And so, and, and that's because you begin to take on the mind of Christ because your symptoms don't bother him either. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes the devil start picking on you with that condemnation thing. Oh, you ain't confessed the word. How long has it been since you confessed the word? You think God's going to heal you and you ain't confessed the word in three days or three hours or whatever it is. Don't ever condemn yourself about what you don't do. Let me say it again. Don't ever condemn yourself because of what you don't do. Because if it's God speaking to you, start doing it. If it's the devil picking on you, don't condemn yourself. Amen. But if the Holy Spirit's reminding you, okay, girl, you got to get back on your word now. You've been off your word for a little bit. Amen. He always encourages us into obedience. He does not beat us up to make us obey. Amen. And we're not to do that to other people. Amen. Now, there are some times you need to warn people and speak the word because the Bible says that you warn people. Now, listen, y'all got to get back to church. Now, you can't just be out there in the street like the heathens. You understand what I'm saying? You can tell any believer that. Because the Bible tells them not to forsake the assembling. of. Because it's easy for the devil once you miss a day. Or miss a week, you can miss two, you can miss three, and pretty soon you ain't been to church in years. You got me? And so you have to be careful 
that when you come upon believers, you warn them to get back under the safety and protection of the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God is ruled by the ministry gifts down here on earth. Now, Jesus is the head, but the ministry gifts have been given responsibility over the church. So you can't just sit up at home and look at Facebook all the time. I mean, unless you don't have nowhere to go. You understand what I'm saying? And there's some people like that. You know, I was like that for the first few years I was saved. God had me create a uh, an atmosphere where I could come and worship. You understand that happened to be this ministry. You got me? And so there there are times where you, but I always sought a place. I was always wanting to go. I'd love to sit up and let somebody preach to me all day long. You know, pick my fleas off, get my sis. Can you get that right there? Ooh, that was killing me. Ooh, I'm glad you got that one. I was just, whew, whew, hallelujah, you know, all that stuff. I love that. Amen. I was a good little sheep. Amen. I felt hurt when God kicked me out to start, you know, our own work, but I knew it was necessary. You got me? So, and then don't ever be reluctant to assemble with God's people. Don't, don't let the get, devil get you that crazy. You understand what I'm saying? These are your, this is your family. I know we got all kind of outlaws, in-laws, <clears throat> ne'er-do-wells and hangers-on and it's all kinds. You know, but you love them anyway. Amen. And you keep on serving God. So we need to touch Jesus the healer. You touch him with your faith. You touch him with the word. You begin to meditate on the word. That's how you touch him. The woman with the issue of blood knew this. She knew there was a gap between her and her health. Because she had been down the natural route. 18 years of doctors, no, all the money's gone. That's when she really started to meditate on getting better. Hmm? Listen, don't feel condemned because you, you chose God as a last resort, so to speak. Huh? It's like, this is, I don't know if this is a good example or not, but you know. <laughs> the girls always get prettier at closing time. Once, once you know it's time to close and it's your last chance. Ooh, God gets real attractive to you then. See, now everybody got that, right? So, uh, so you understand what I'm saying. You just want help. And God doesn't care if he's your last choice. You think his feelings are hurt because you didn't come to him first? See, he has perfect love. Huh? He has perfect love. Sometimes when you choose him last, you're more sincere and you're more repentant about coming to him. You you stop the game playing there. Huh? God, I got to get my healing from you. Then told me they can't do nothing for me. Amen. And the truth of it is, that was true all along. They can't do for you what he can. He can restore your health. He can restore your youth. He can restore everything. Amen. 
I know there are times when I'll, I'll think about that restoration of my youth. I thought to myself, I said, God, I can move around faster than I move around now. It kind of scared me for a minute, but I thought, I might like that. Huh? I might go to Robin Banks. No, I won't. But you know what I'm saying. And, and so sometimes your natural mind gets so accustomed to limitations. That's all I'm saying. That, that sometimes these things can really be a shock to you. A lot of times when, when the doctors have told you there'll never be any help for you, the fact that, that God wants you well can be a real shock to you and that you're already healed as far as he's concerned. Amen. So we only need to touch the healer. In Luke chapter 8, it will go there in verse 43. It's wonderful what he does. It says a woman having an issue of blood 12 years. I'm sorry, she was 12 years. The woman who was bent out over was 18 years, which has spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any came behind him and touched the border of his garment, and immediately the issue of her blood stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? Everybody said, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. A lot of them were lying, too, because they were, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Everybody was touching him, but they were scared. You know, Jesus asked you something, he wants a straight answer. They didn't know what to say. They said, I don't know if I should tell them the truth or not. <laughs> He said, master the multitudes all around you. And you're asking who touched you? He said, somebody touched me because I perceived virtue without a man. This proves to me one thing. You don't have to ask for nothing. Oh, you mean I've been asking? Yeah, you ask. The Bible says ask in prayer. Amen. But you don't have to. Your faith can tell you you got it already. Amen. If your faith tells you you got it already, you got it already. Amen. Amen. That the Bible says that you should believe you receive it when you pray. And it'll show up at some point. If you believe you receive it when you pray. Amen. When you go to God, talk to him. Ask him, request, whatever you do. But there are some things that will just come to you. The faith will come to you just on a regular. Amen. Hey, there are times when I'll, I know I'll need some money, need finances, and I'll just think about it and I say, God, thank you. You know, it's and, and if I have to be more specific, I will. But I've learned something. He knows what I need before I ask. He already has it set aside for me from the foundation of the earth. Amen. Why would I put a name and an amount and all of that on it? Now, I know that's contrary to what we've been taught in some circles. But the best prayer to pray is, Father, I thank you for your constant provision in my life. I thank you that I'll never be lacking of anything. Don't don't think after you got money for a month, you won't have it forever because you will. Don't think because you got money for this bill that was a surprise to you. It wasn't a surprise to God. He's already made provision for it. And an agreement with him means coming to a mental agreement, having his mind. What is he thinking toward me? 
He says his thoughts are good toward me all the time. But what is he thinking? He's thinking, I've already laid that up for you. That's taken care of. I've got that in reserve for you. The provision is there for you. Amen. Just start to let it be released with your faith. How do you release your faith? Through thanksgiving, through praise, through adoration, through thanking God, through worship. Amen. And and then you have a constant supply. As constantly as you lift him up, that's how constantly he responds to your every need. You got needs you don't even know about. So how can you ask for every single thing and, and keep keep your little detail? That's why I like Amos 9, 13, so you won't be able to keep up. Get, in other words, get rid of the list. Don't be listing me. Huh? But start thanking me for some of these difficult things I want to do. You know, the more time we spend on the little petty stuff, the less time we'll spend on the real things that might need some labor in the spirit, some travail, like for souls. We've got to be laboring to get souls released into God's kingdom, you know, instead of uh, arguing about whether we're getting a wealth transfer or not. You understand what I'm saying? You ain't going to be able to take it with you anyway when you leave here, so you might as well be content where you're at. Thank God for what's coming. Thank God for the continual flow. Most people who are looking for money and write this down, aren't getting it because they don't know what to do with it when it comes. These people looking for large sums to drop into their lap won't know what to do with it because they don't do the right things with what they have. Just a thought. Rich people always have money. And they're not looking for it. They've learned how to get busy making it instead of counting it. They know some things. They know that if they stay diligent in what they do, it will come. But they're not sitting thinking every day, I'm believing God for a million dollars. I'm believing God for this. No, they have what they call a business projection. And they're working on that business projection. They're not looking for money. Christians really ought to be ashamed. You know, we have, have done so much damage to our image just by our own confession and the things we preach about all the time. You've got eternal life. You've got people's destiny in your mouth and in your heart. And you're going to be sitting up here looking for the world's goods. We ought to be ashamed. We ought to. Now I don't care who's looking on the internet. You ought to be ashamed preaching, looking for money all the time and always looking for it. And God, the minute you, God blesses you with a decent car, you got a picture of it sitting up there. Look how God didn't bless me. Yeah, but your children don't speak to you. And where's your wife you left 10 years ago and still calling yourself a minister? See, we don't value humanity the way God values us. If we could start there, we'd be doing real good. If we start valuing one another in our own midst, that same woman you asked to marry you, now you don't want to look at her. And you're trying to hold on to a church full of people that are disappointed in you. 
kids blaming God because you ain't together. Need to check yourself, brother, and go home. You chose her. Ain't nobody holding no gun to your head. Now you start looking at somebody else and all of a sudden you're not compatible anymore. The devil is a liar. You need to prove him to be a liar. Get on your knees. Repent. Ask God to forgive you and quit lying to your congregation about irreconcilable differences. And he's given us a ministry of reconciliation. So how you going to be the pastor? You're irreconcilable. How you going to square that with him? He's given you the power to reconcile. And what are you preaching that congregation? Let them people go and get under somebody who really loves God. And knows what they're called to do. And isn't afraid to do it. Everybody wants everything easy. Everybody's disposable. People too. And this is why we can't get rid of abortion. There are too many Christians working in abortion clinics. There are too many of them turn their back and say, well, that ain't why I vote for them people. Just a thought. Since we're on the internet, everybody else is closed down. We might as well talk. <laughs> we're all here all the time preaching truth. People so busy in them toy churches. No, you wind up the the praise team and they sing what you want them to sing and y'all get up and jump around and get all in the flesh and Woo-wee. We had a high time. All right. Come on down to reality. It's all right. Hey, sanctify yourself. If you've been deceived and lying to people, sanctify yourself. Huh? Just true. Get yourself set apart. Go somewhere you can hear from God. Get quiet before him so he can start talking to you and you get that nonsense that you listen to washed out of your brain. Uh-huh. I'm expecting a lot of people to start wanting truth now that they've had an opportunity to get rid, rid of, away from some of the false teaching out here. Good gravy. I am no more looking for, well, I won't say that. <laughs> If God wants to bless me with wealth, well, here I am. You know, you understand what I'm saying. But that ain't top on my list, folks. You understand what I'm saying? Hey. Not serving mammon. I don't even like the voice, the sound of mammon's voice. Man. Devil wants too much. That little stuff he give you and all his, his dollars have like a, a rope on the end of it. The more you grab for it, the more it runs away from you. Wealth is allergic to greedy people. I'm going to tell you right now. Touching Jesus means showing him you got faith in him. That woman with the issue of blood crawled. She crossed all kinds of lines she wasn't supposed to cross. (laughs) Now we're obeying the law around here, folks, but... 
You understand what I'm saying? Somebody come in here desperate for God. You understand what I'm saying? We'll, we'll pray for him for six feet away. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> so, so we have to bring God's word back to him. The other thing that, that in order to receive your healing from God, you have to talk God's language. The Bible says we have been translated. Now, why would we use that word translated? Translation, you know, refers to your language. You have been translated out of speaking one way into speaking another way. That's what translation means. So um, it, it didn't say you've been transferred out of the kingdom of darkness. But we are born again of his spirit and we are citizens of heaven. You have a citizenship, but you don't live there yet. You got me? Now you can be a citizen of the United States, but you moved to Canada for a while, but you're not a Canadian. Eh? <laughs> Everybody on the same page. So, so we're citizens of heaven. But we don't live there yet. But we have been translated. Which means that our language has been changed. So if you go to Canada and you run into an American, you speak the same language. If you live in in the United States and you're a citizen of heaven, you speak heaven's Language. You don't speak the world's language anymore because you have been translated out of the kingdom of darkness. Darkness has a language. It speaks to the natural. It calls things that are just like they are. You got me? That's why people will tell you if you tell them, no, I'm not sick. I'm healed. They'll say you're in denial. Because in the earth realm, that's the language you use. You don't use that language anymore. (laughs) You have a right to call those things that be not as though they are. You act just like it's the way you say it is. You talk like it is the way you say it is. And that way you commune with God continually. People say, well, you're in denial uh, what did the doctors say? Well, I'm not talking to the doctors about my my symptoms. I'm talking to Jesus. I don't speak the same language as the doctors do. When it comes to my health and my body, we don't speak the same language. I talk Jesus language. This ain't the doctor's business, really. You got me? Well, see, when you go to them doctors, you have to. Do, uh, uh, <laughs> I might have to take the pills. I might have to do all the things in the natural, but that's not where my faith is. My faith is no more in your blood pressure is yada, 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 yada. Or if you don't take them pills forever, you'll no, 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 no. At some point, these symptoms must leave because God's word is true. Amen. I talk to pills all the time. I said, listen, y'all make me sick. And I'm not putting up with your side effect crap symptoms no more. And one day real soon, we going to part company. I won't have to take you. You understand what I'm saying? That's what heaven says. 
to the temporary things. Amen. I may be dealing with you now, but it's temporary. Amen. Some point very soon, you and I will part company. And say what heaven says. Huh? Don't be stuck somewhere just because a natural realm says you're stuck somewhere. You just keep it moving. Amen. And you can call things that be not as though they are. You're not lying. You're speaking heaven's language. You're, you're speaking your native tongue. Amen. It means something in heaven. Amen. So you're talking God's language. So Romans 4 says that we can call those things that be not as though they are. Why do we go there? So you can feast your little eyeballs on it. A lot of times we don't like scriptures like this. We like to skip over them because they challenge us to change. Change the way you think. Change what you say. Change all of that. It says here for the promise, verse 13, 413. That he would be heir of the world. Oh my goodness. That'll make you stagger. But Abraham didn't. Why? Because he wasn't thinking about doing it on his own power. He was doing it because God said it was. <laughs> Once you understand whose word this is, you won't be staggering and, 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 you know, running from it so much. He says, was not to Abraham or his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. So it doesn't, what you're getting from God doesn't come through the world. It doesn't come through the natural channels. It's coming through the supernatural faith channels. So people who are dealing with the natural, they're not even in the conversation. They're not even on this radar. You're on a different radar than people who are depending upon the world's uh, uh, operation. It says, because he says, for if they were to of the law are heirs, then faith is made void. Faith came before the law. So whatever came first is established. Whatever came second came to explain what came first. See, the law came to explain what God meant when he said have faith in God. When he said have faith in God, that means faith in what he says. And what he says is law. So the law coming after faith cannot make faith of none effect. Abraham was before the law. He is walking around and, and just out of nowhere, God came to him and said, come here and follow me. So Abraham followed him by faith without Moses' law. Moses' law came years later. In fact, 400-something years later, as a matter of fact. So it wasn't like right there for him to relate to. But he learned how to follow God by what God told him, just by believing God. It says he believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. It's the same thing with us. You believe God, and that makes you righteous. Well, work on it, okay? Because you get out here and you start trying to be this, be that, obey this, obey that, and uh, try not to mess up and try, you make yourself crazy. Huh? 
the thing that you fear will come on you anyway. Then God will show you, you ain't doing nothing down here, girlfriend. I'm taking care of you. I'm taking care of the whole show. Amen. So cut it out. Quit trying to take the reins back. Just free yourself up. Huh? Well, we're really worried about with that. We're worried about people. What they're going to say. What they think. Uh, what, you know, all that kind of little stupid people stuff. It's pride. So you just got to get back in your little prayer closet, repent and say, God, I'm sorry. I'm trying to get ahead of you. Trying to do everything right. Trying to impress people. You need to know people ain't thinking about you. You understand? <laughs> so you're sweating for nothing. Huh? You come to somebody and say, oh, I'm so sorry I said this and that. And they say, huh? Oh, I remember. Uh, girl, don't worry about that kind of stuff. You understand what I'm saying? Just get yourself straight here. You came here to get straight. So get straight. Amen. God knows your heart. He knows you don't want to mess up. That's why he lives in you. So you don't mess up. And when you do, you're forgiven. Because he won't leave you because you mess up. That's a place for everybody to shout. (laughs) I know I feel like it. Amen. So he says the law works wrath. In other words, you're going to get upset with yourself trying to follow the law. Don't do this, don't do that, don't cuss, don't smoke, don't do Where there is no law, there's no transgression. Amen. Therefore, it is a faith that it might be by grace. For this reason, that the promise might be sure to everybody. Amen. If it was just by the law, only Abraham's seed could be, natural seed could be saved. Because it's by faith, it opens it up to more people. So anybody can be saved. You can preach to anybody. You can witness to anybody. Tell anybody about Jesus. He says, <clears throat> he says, but that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. So Abraham came before us to show us how to do it. Your father teaches you how to live. Your father. That's why there's so many fatherless families now, because the enemy does not want to, uh, us to know how to live. See, when I was growing up, my mother took primary care of all of us, but my father was always there. He didn't say much. He didn't do much. He seldom whipped us. My mother did all that, but he was there just being present. That completes the family. That makes it secure. And if if you talk to men, they don't like to get involved a whole lot. You know, women get mad. Women get mad. Well, how come I got to do all of that? Because that's your job. Because if he says something, you're going to jump on him. They're my babies. <laughs> he know that up front. So he's going to go somewhere and sit down already. He said, well, when she get tired of that, then I'll step in. But all he got to do is look at them kids and they go somewhere and sit down. Then women, instead of being appreciative, 
Well, how come they do what you tell them to do? You don't have to do nothing. They obey you and they give me a hard time. Huh? It's one of the mysteries of God. Huh? See, women, they'll, they'll beg for them babies because that's what their bodies are telling them to do. Men want to hold off until he find out if you wife material. Oh! Pastor Barb, don't go there! Social distancing. You'd have creeped up on me again. But men know they got to take care of everything. And they're going to wait until they feel comfortable they can handle it. Oh! You might as well scream or say amen or something. Because you need to hear it. But you know why? Because people go through life and make the same stupid mistakes over and over and over again. You take the same baggage. Well, he, he wasn't no good. I just wound up with the wrong. No, you was wrong. What makes you right all the time and all the men wrong all the time? If a man tell you he don't want to marry you, he don't want to marry you. That's okay because most women don't want to get married anyway. I do want a husband. Well, you probably do want a husband, but do you want to be a wife? I be wanting to be a wife, not going through McDonald's drive-thru all the time, you know. You don't find no wives there. It's like, you know, the, uh, the women at the well, they were taking care of their dad's house, getting water for the flock. They always found good husbands. Hello. All you had to do was find them, stay there until a thirsty man came by. Now let me see. Let me think. Now you get it. You keep thinking now. You get it. Huh? Isaac's wife. Huh? They was all pumping water. Huh? Moses met his wife. Huh? He was so thirsty he pumped his own water and took it home for us. He said, mm, I think you can stay. Hello. You don't meet them on Cash App, okay? Uh, baby, my cash app name is, huh? <laughs> Just in case you need it sometime, you know, give me yours too, cause you know, I'm, be cash app and no brothers. You want some brothers with some credit, huh? And some of them so felonious, they don't even have a cash app. Them you definitely don't want to meet. Now I can confess, I say any day, confess them away. Let that be your, and Lord, please don't let him just be a scared of cash app, brother, please. 
So Abraham, verse 17, as it is written, I have made you a father. I have made, I have already made you a father of many nations. Quit begging me that you could have that. Before whom he believed, even God, who quickens the dead. He brings dead things back to life. Your dead faith, your dead desire for the things of God, your dead not wanting to go to church, your dead wanting to make make a trouble for the saints, all that death, he makes that alive again and calls those things that be not as though they were. That's your language. That's how you know you're translated. When you can start freely saying you're healed. Amen. Freely saying you're prosperous. Freely calling yourself a wife. You don't want to be somebody. Father, I thank you that I am a wife. I thank you, Father, that that spirit lives in me. I thank you, Lord, to manifest that to me in Jesus' name. Quit trying to find something you don't know what you're looking for. Amen. That's true. You know, a lot of times we you can't help where you came from. Thank God you here. But you got to shed all that old upbringing and nonsense living. You know, all them old wives' tales and witchcraft stuff. You know, mama and granny and auntie and all them. Ain't none of them been married. And they always scheming and nothing ever comes to pass from their schemes. You got to shed that. You new creature. Get translated. Father, I thank you that I am a wife. You've made me that. But I'm going through that drive-thru one more time. (laughs) Just to say goodbye to it. Social distance. Or, or I just go to Dunkin' Donuts. Like coffee ain't, you understand? Make your coffee at home. Guess what? They sell coffee. They sell filters. And the water comes out the tap. Ooh, that's, I don't drink that water. You need to. You need, that's, that's where you need to start your experiment of your confession. Start blessing that water. You use it on your food. You cook with it. Make ice cubes with it. You do, but it ain't good enough to drink. I gotta have my bottle. Pastor Barb, you can't take my bottle from me. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. So when you call things that be not as though they are, you bring life to it. That's how you bring life to things with heaven's language. By calling them that are not as though they are. So when you say you're healed, even if it hits your ears like, that ain't true. I've been there. Uh, and I take it I'm not different than anybody else. You start that, I call it a after doubt or a doubt hangover. You know, you get drunk on the, the word of God and you start speaking it as though it is. And then 
doubt will make give you a hangover from from getting drunk on the word. You just don't address it. Consider it not. See, that's when you consider not. Once you confess the word and then doubt starts to hit you, like, that ain't right. How can I say that? I want it to be true, but you got me? Or should I go talk to the people at the Y? Why? Uh, honey, I'll do it in a minute. I say, y'all listen to me. Them people across the street, they ain't listening to me over there today. Huh? But you will get that. You know why? Because your atmosphere fights you all the time. See, that thing may never stop until you can start creating an atmosphere where the word prevails, where nothing but the word, where where the Holy Spirit is so permeating and so accepting of God, God's word in that atmosphere that he gives you a confirmation and a witness in your spirit continually that you said the right thing. And see, that comes from praise. When you worship God and you create an atmosphere where that word is active and alive and accepted, then you won't have the the un- unbelief hangover to hit you once you start confessing the word. But I tell you one thing, if you confess it and keep confessing it in spite of the hangover, huh? Like the drunk say, get a uh, hair of the dog that bit you. Oh, y'all go somewhere. I've, now I had enough of this nonsense. I ain't going to go back into the world just to help y'all. Come on now, y'all. Cause... <laughs> but people who drink alcohol wake up with hangovers. And people ask them, well, how do I get rid of the hangover? They say, well, just get a hair off of the dog that bit you. So if scotch bit you and got you drunk, you get a little bit of scotch and you get over the hangover. If vodka bit you and you got drunk, you get a little bit of vodka and you get over it. And it worked. So if, if confessing the word and calling things that be not as though they are get you in trouble with the devil, then get another hair off the dog that bit him and keep confessing the word and it'll get you out of that hangover situation. You keep giving the devil more of what makes him sick. That word makes him sick. And he's trying to convince you that it's not right to speak the word as though it was really true. And it says, who against hope believed in hope. Now calling those things that be not as though they are is one of the strongest ways to fight unbelief, it's one of cuts. He says, who against hope believed in hope. So what happens is that when you say, I am the father of many nations, and you know you can't do nothing, you ain't, ain't done nothing in many years, and your wife almost old as you are, and you say, I am, that means that your natural hope is already gone. So when your natural hope is already gone, you got to bring something bigger than the natural on top of it to make it manifest. Amen. So you call things that you say, yes, I am the father. Yes, I am. So when it comes to your health, yes, I am healed. I am healed. They tell you that what you have is incurable, that you can't be reversed. I am healed. 
It's reversed already. You know, I don't, I'm not waiting for it to be reversed. It's all reversed already. I'm redeemed from the curse of sickness. It can't touch me. But our symptoms gone, that's none of your business, devil. Now see, this is where the devil got want to get you in trouble. Keep asking you questions. You don't owe the devil no answers. Our problem is we want to explain everything to everybody. Ain't they business? People ask you how you doing. You can tell the ones that are in faith with you and the little snaky ones. <laughs> come up. When they come up to you slivering on the floor and they lick dust, you know where they came from, right? How you, how you doing? You, them, you don't owe them no explanation, okay? You tell them go lick dust. says who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many. Now he knew he wasn't that yet, but he responded to the name that described him as already the father. So when you just when you respond to heaven's language, that puts you in that kingdom expecting according to what that kingdom has for you and not according to what the world says you are. You got me? See, if I speak, if, if if I go to France and I speak French with a French person, that allows me access to certain things that I need that that language, understanding that language entitles me to. So when you speak heaven's language to God, that it not entitles you to the things that heaven has for you. So I encourage you, start speaking heaven's language. Quit asking God to do something he's already done. It bugs him. It's like these kids don't understand me. Haven't I told you you already? Huh? So you start speaking his language to him. And forget about people. And so against hope, he believed in hope. Ooh. Against one hope, he believed in another hope. Hello? Against natural hope. So, okay, so he's not able to reproduce children in the natural sense. So now this hope that he has is against that. You gotta go against some stuff in order to get some stuff. You gotta say no to some stuff to get some stuff. You can't have it both ways. And that's our problem. We start talking like the natural. We want healing to come to us. You got to be against the natural in order to get what heaven has for you. You keep looking for natural hope. Now, I'm not saying God won't help you with natural hope. But you're expecting heaven to come through for you. You got me? Make up your mind which one you're believing for. Huh? Make up your mind which one you're believing for. 
See, you can hold on to natural means to help you while you're believing for heaven's deliverance. God, I'm taking this to, to alleviate symptoms, but my hope is not in this. My confidence is not in these pills forever. You got me? My confidence is not in what the doctors can do for me forever. I'm believing that I am healed. Amen? And that's all I'm believing. And so if some people can renounce everything and not take anything and, and receive their healing from God, and some people have to relax into the natural means of doing things. But that's not where your hope is. See, you can be against natural hope. Say, for instance, if you're, you have to take medication for a blood condition or something. If you stop taking it, you know your condition will go down so you continue to take it, but your hope is not. Your hope is that one day you won't have to do that. Because you know that the supernatural will kick in. Amen? So we all have to live in this world. We all have to live in this world. But we do not have to have our hope in the things of the world. Because if you, your hope in, in medicine and all that, and that runs out, you're sunk. But those of us who hope in God are not, we don't have our hope there. You got me? So your hope, and you hope that it will manifest, and Jesus said he will manifest himself to us because he lives in us. Amen? So the healer can show up any time and take every single symptom away and put your mind at ease. Some people don't let symptoms bug them. You understand what I'm saying? Don't let stuff bug you. And then one day they get up and forget to take any pills and they notice two weeks later, they say, you know, I'm taking any pills in a long time. Let me go check so-and-so and such-and-such and and find out that they don't have symptoms anymore. They've been healed all along. Amen. But when you, when you can get it to manifest totally in the natural, that's when you get your victory and keep doing what you did to get there. The mistake people make sometimes is they get rid of symptoms and then they go back to dumb stuff. Keep doing what you, and sometimes it takes a while to get symptoms to move because you're too anxious, you know, to get it over with. So I can go back to, I don't have to read this word as much as I do now. Yeah. God knows when you're trying to cheat. Amen. He wants you to live off every word that proceeds from his mouth. Amen. So the healer lives in us. Let him live. Speak his language. Learn to please him. And you'll receive everything God has for you. Okay. Because it's already set aside for you. Amen. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for understanding. Lord, we thank you for blessing us with a knowledge of your holy word. We love you, Lord, and we honor you, and we thank you for blessing us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen, and praise God. Amen, 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 amen. So uh, anybody want to shoot their hand up for prayer? Have we prayed enough? Because we won't be laying hands on today, of course, but praise God. Well, Father, I pray for people, especially people who are distant from their churches, distant from the uh, people that they love. Father, we especially for pray for people who have loved ones who are hospitalized. We know, Lord, that their there's uh, visitation is extremely limited. We know that they cannot get to see their loved ones, many of them. Reassure them, Father. Let let them devise a way that they can either um, 
Skype their family members or FaceTime them or some mechanism that they can use to just see the face of their loved ones, Father, and know that they're okay. Reassure them in their hearts, Father, that their loved ones are fine. And that, Father, we thank you for that. Heal their loved ones as well, Father. Corona, we curse you at the root in the name of Jesus. We curse every single assignment of the enemy against people of the earth in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, to, to cause people to just look to the hills from with cometh their help. Look to the Mount of Blessing, Father, that they would turn in repentance from the curse and look to the mountain of blessing for their healing and their deliverance. And we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen. So we all healed. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Praise the Lord. He's worthy. Amen. Amen. Amen.